You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another emergency off-season podcast here on Saturday afternoon as Indiana got another commitment from the transfer portal today as Anthony Walker, a 6'9 big grad transfer from Miami. He was there the final game Indiana played last season, and he will be there for the first game Indiana plays next season as he took an official visit this weekend and then immediately committed uh, to Indiana. As a lot of us kind of started to expect, there were lots of positive vibes uh, around this recruitment uh, and this official visit, and Anthony made it official this weekend. That brings Indiana now to 11 scholarships filled, adds some front court depth, as we will discuss, uh, and really doesn't take away from Indiana's pursuit of a couple of scoring wings, as we know uh, that they need. But we've convened this emergency podcast here, as we always do, or at least always try to do, uh, to kind of put this recruitment in context, what we know about this player uh, and Coach Tonsoni is here. We'll see if anybody else shows up. I sent everyone the link, but sometimes on these weekend ones, it's a little difficult because folks are scattered around. Um, but I, I think the first thing to understand about this commitment is, you know, if you take a look at Anthony's stats, you know, you just kind of look at what he's done over four years, it's easy to look at that and be a little bit underwhelmed. And so I think if Anthony Walker, you know, if Indiana didn't have a commitment from Kalel Ware, didn't have a commitment from Peyton Sparks, and you're looking at Anthony Walker as a guy who's going to be expected to come in and, you know, replace some of the production from Trace Jackson Davis, replace some of the production from Race Thompson, he wouldn't really be able to do that. And I can get feeling a little bit underwhelmed about that. But the thing to understand is Indiana does have Khalil Ware, and Indiana does have Peyton Sparks, and Indiana, of course, has Malik Renew. And so Anthony Walker is a guy that this coaching staff is bringing in to add front court depth. Because as deep as that seems with those three guys and a Caleb Banks who can slide down to the four, we only need to look to last season to understand how a you know a deep position can become thin very quickly due to injury. And so Anthony Walker is here to do that. And it's going to be difficult to, you know, find a guy to come in and, you know, take a role like that where it's not a starting role, you know, and it's not even maybe a featured role off of the bench. Indiana had a recruitment of Jalen Deloach uh, from VCU. He ended up going elsewhere, and that's probably a reason why. Anthony Walker is a guy who played, you know, 26 minutes a game as a sophomore, had his most statistically productive season as a sophomore on a very bad Miami team. The last two seasons, he's played more of a complimentary role. You know, I think 14 minutes per game as a junior, something like 10 minutes per game last year, but on teams that were very good. And, you know, his efficiency numbers, not great. We'll talk about that. His counting stats, not great. Uh, But he was a guy who was able to come in, be a big athlete, play defense, provide depth on teams that made NCAA tournament runs. Uh, And that is what Indiana is looking for him to do, as well as, you know, with a a four-year guy, a grad transfer who's been a part of winning teams, you know, we've talked about this. Indiana's having to replace a lot of veteran leadership. And so getting veteran voices in there who have been around college basketball, who have made deep tournament runs, I think there's value there. And there's value in having a guy like Anthony Walker who can be an important practice player. You know, if you have Kalelware and Malik Renew starting, now you've got Peyton Sparks on the second unit. You know, who else is there with size? 
that's really going to you know challenge those guys. You could say Caleb Banks, but you also want Caleb playing some three. So Anthony Walker is a guy who comes in and gives you that depth in practice too, uh, which is also really important. You know, for a guy that's kind of on his place, kind of in the pecking order, which is probably in the eighth, ninth, tenth, you know, spot in terms of how many minutes uh, he will get. So you know, I understand. You look at the numbers. It's like I don't know that this makes a ton of sense, and we already have bigs. But I think when you peel back the the onion a little bit and kind of figure out what the coaching staff's vision for this player is, I think it starts to make uh, a little more sense. Um, And really, you know, he becomes an important piece of kind of completing the overall piece of this puzzle. Even if he's not a headliner, I think there's still uh, a lot of value that he's going to be able to bring uh, to Indiana this year in his final go-around in college basketball. So with that said, let me bring in Brian Tonsoni, the coach, uh, who was at the baseball game, but unfortunately the baseball game wasn't going so well. So he uh, peaced out early and he's able to be here for us on the emergency pod. Uh, coach, be careful. We hear police sirens in the background. Uh, but what are your what are your initial thoughts on Anthony Walker's commitment? Yeah, that, that was an ambulance heading in another direction. So we're, we're okay. Uh, I just think it's a depth piece. Uh, and it's a kind of kid who has played well for a winning Graham is willing to accept his role. We hear, and you need that fourth post player. I know everyone wants wings, and we're excited about getting the wings, and we're maybe nervous about getting the wings. But last year we had five post players, or at least three, and we were on them all. And now we only had three, and an injury or five to have people um, ready to play. And what better than to have, um, you know, uh, Anthony Walker, who's played on, on winning programs and, and is a veteran player. Yep. Hey, Coach, uh, let's turn your video off. It does seem like it was uh, impacting your audio a little bit. So okay. We'll try it. Yeah, we'll try it with the audio off and see if that see if that goes well. So, just to summarize, as you said, you know, he is a, a depth piece. Um, you know, what what role do you see him playing as we go through this season? I know a lot of people have looked at it and basically said, "Hey, this is a guy who's essentially you know replacing." you know, the Jordan Geronimo role, kind of, you know, where Geronimo was a depth piece and, you know, would play a few minutes here and there in games, got some more run when Indiana had injuries. You know, we remember when Race Thompson was out and he stepped in and played. Do you kind of see a similar role for Anthony this season for Indiana? Yeah, I I think he is either the third or fourth post off the bench. Uh, He and Sparks will be behind uh, where and renew. And he will get the 10 to 12, maybe 10 to 15 minute play as needed. Uh, we know Renew had trouble with the fouls last year and staying on the floor. And hopefully he'll fix that this year. But just in case, you got a veteran presence there ready to come in off the bench. But that's, a, that's the rule. I see him as a third or fourth post player off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, and, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, you've got the injury concerns that are, you know, they're just always there. I mean, that's why you want to build depth. Uh, you know, Malik has been a guy who's had foul trouble. Um, and so, you know, now you've got another option because with Peyton, you know, Peyton Sparks is a particular type of player. You know, he's a back to the basket scorer uh, and he's a guy who can play post defense. But I don't think you're getting a whole lot of defense out on the floor from Peyton Sparks, at least based on what we've seen, you know, from him at Ball State. Maybe he can make improvements. But that's a type of player he is. And I, I think, you know, we obviously talked a lot about Peyton Sparks. We're all excited about him. I think there are going to be particular matchups where, especially against backup bigs of the opponent, where you can put Peyton Sparks in there. <clears throat> and I mean, this is a guy who can score in the post. He can go get you buckets. 
Anthony Walker is not that type of a guy, but he's a different type of player in that I think he's going to be a little bit more versatile, you know, defensively. So just based on the matchup, there may be certain games where it's better for Walker to be in there. There may be other games where it's better for Sparks to be in there. Um, you know, and if you, you know, if you watch Walker, if you want to kind of get a flavor for, you know, for how he plays, um, at least in what I've seen of him, you know, haven't seen a whole lot of back to the basket scoring. You know, he's a guy that from his statistical profile, uh, you know, clearly wants to be a guy who plays out on the floor. You know, you look at his season by season numbers as a freshman, he took 19 threes as a sophomore. He took, uh, 64 as a junior, he took 34 and last year he took 24. Now, he has not been particularly efficient in any of those seasons. Last year, he was 3 of 24 from 3. The year before, he was 8 of 34. So he is a 20% three-point shooter for his career, but clearly is a guy who is willing and wants to take them. Uh, and you know that's what you see offensively. He does like to face up. I think when you watch his tape, you do see some examples of you know him being able to drive and get into the basket or get to the basket, get into the paint um, and score. It's a little awkward. It's a little herky jerky, um, you know. And, and his turnover rates about fifteen percent, um, you know. So he will, you know, give the ball up some. Um, but that's where coach, I think, when you know, one of the things that we're seeing develop with this roster is different types of players who can allow you to put, you know, different five man units out there that can play differently. And so I think that's the other, you know, part of this where I think when you start peeling back the onion you see the vision a little bit. You know, this is not going to be a guy who's going to stuff the stat sheet, but he does give you a different look off the bench than Peyton Sparks, depending on who you're playing. And so, and I do think that there is some value there. Um, you, you know, I think his history at Miami shows, you know, he played 63.4% of the minutes as a sophomore, and that was not a very good team. Miami's two teams the last couple of years have been more perimeter-oriented, clearly better. I mean, they've made at least the Elite Eight in both seasons, and he played 35% of the minutes two years ago and 25.4% of the minutes this year. I'm not even sure he'll get that many minutes at IU, you know, just depending on how things go with the front court. But again, he'll be able to give you a bit of a different look, a bit of a different style, depending on what that game calls for. Um, do you agree with that as being, you know, kind of part of the value and probably part of what the staff is looking at here uh, is just kind of a different type of backup than, than what you're going to get from Sparks? Yeah, absolutely. The stats don't stand out. Uh, but his face-up game, and we've mentioned this all the time with the threes and the fours, do you have multiple dimensions to your game? He has a capability of driving, and he's not afraid to shoot the basketball. It hasn't been efficient doing that, but it does, for a 10- or 12-minute guy, those skill sets uh, can be improved, and it does give uh, Woodson some flexibility in what he's running. And you combine that with the guy who wants to be here and is willing to play that backup role from everything we're hearing, that's the case, that he's yep. willing to come in here and work. He wants to experience the Big Ten. He wants to experience uh, Assembly Hall and what Indiana has to play. Those are things that we, we really should admire in the young man. But he he's going to provide good backup minutes with a variety of things that he can do. But he's not going to shoot 35, 40% from three. And, you know, he's not going to average double figures. We didn't get that kind of guy. But we got a Hoosier who wants to come in and help Indiana win and has some ability to face up from the four and from the five, which uh, Indiana has not had uh, in recent years. So I think that's that's the thing that impresses me the most about him. But you got to understand it's not going to come in and be a 30-minute guy, 10 to 15-point guy. 
you know, he'll average three or four at best, but he'll hit some shots and he'll defend and play and bring some toughness uh, off the bench uh, when he's needed. And I think that's a good addition because you can't add all starters uh, because yep. you got to have the right mix. I think your comment about the right type of, of mix and, and, and different ways of playing is something that's hard to understand as a fan. But I think you need different people with different attitudes and different spots. And I think this young man is a veteran, and I think he fits that role. Yeah, there were really, you know, there were two concerns I had when, you know, we first started talking with him and he came in for the official visit. One is kind of what you just talked about. You know, a lot of times when you have a grad transfer coming in, you know, and they've already played at a high major school. And especially one that's been as successful at Miami. Like, it's not like he's leaving a school that hasn't won so he can try to win. Miami's been very successful. Um, you know, your concern is okay, is this guy looking for a bigger role? You know, does he want to score more? Does he want to go back to, you know, the minutes played that he had as a sophomore? But, you know, clearly this guy has been around. He's a four year player. Uh, he can look at the roster and see what Indiana has and be wide eyed coming in, you know, and kind of understand what the role is going to be. And, you know, with our coaching staff and everything that we've heard about Woody, you know, what do we always hear about Woody? He's not going to BS you. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And so it just it doesn't make any sense from Walker's perspective or from the staff's perspective to be making him a lot of big promises about playing time that are going to lead him to come in and be upset and be a chemistry issue. There's just, you know, and that was a concern for me, but there's absolutely no reason to think that's the case. So, okay, we can cross that off the concern list. The other one for me, and we're going to have to see how this plays out, is what does his presence potentially do to Caleb Banks? Because you look at Peyton Sparks, Peyton Sparks is a five, right? Peyton Sparks isn't going to be taking any Caleb Banks minutes. Anthony Walker is really, you know, a guy who can probably go down and guard fives as an offensive player, probably is more of a traditional four type. Um, you know, how does that impact Caleb? Because I think we all think, you know, Caleb has some skills that can make him a three, some skills that could make him a four. What makes him valuable is his potential ability to go back and forth between those spots, depending on how big Indiana wants to play and depending on how much his perimeter game develops. You know, obviously Caleb and CJ didn't put up big numbers as freshmen, but certainly everybody on our show really believes in their potential. So does Anthony Walker come in? Does he take, you know, some of those minutes from Caleb at the four that would have been important developmental minutes for Caleb? Um, you know, look, Woody, as a coach, he understands the importance of keeping the positive momentum going, winning as many games as possible, getting to the NCAA tournament. He's had a history of siding with veterans over younger guys. And so to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to prioritize Walker's playing time, you know, over banks, uh, you know, even early in the season, I think you've got to prioritize getting banks his 12 to 15 minutes so he can develop that coach to me is, you know, kind of the, I think everything else makes sense to me, you know, and I, I don't have big concerns because I just don't have huge expectations. I don't think Walker is coming here to be a stat sheet stuffer. He's here to be a depth piece on the floor and in practice. And I think he profiles to be that. My only concern is if he ends up taking away minutes from Caleb Banks in November and December, I think that's something that could set him back a little bit and potentially set the team back in February and March, where hopefully you get that early development and then he comes around. So that is kind of my only lingering concern about this as we move forward. And there's really nothing that we can do about that except just kind of state it and think about it. But we're going to have to watch and see how that plays out in November and December. 
Yeah, and I think I said Thursday, um, if you think uh, Caleb needs to play some four, that is a concern. It is a legitimate concern. But I believe Caleb is more of a three in the long run. And so I, I don't see that as an immediate problem. And, and the thing is, too, is as much as I love Caleb Banks, he's got to show that he's ready. And yeah. you've, you've mentioned a lot of times, too, that with these transfers, you want to good, see good college production, and you know that they're not going to match that production from small schools moving to big schools, but you want to see that college experience uh, production. And that's where Walker, uh, you know, that's his plus. Uh, we don't know yet if Caleb could survive and play at the four, backing up renew to the level that Woodson wants. Maybe we're a little more comfortable, or the staff is, with uh, with Walker. But I just think that Caleb Banks is more of a three in the long run, and our our lineup is going to start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and when you see someone like Caleb Banks playing the three, and you have Renew and Walker playing the four, that's the prototype of you know, roster and starting lineup that you're going to see. Same with the Mabako guy coming in. I see him more as a three. And both Banks and this Mabako guy are the type of players that can slide down and play four. But that, again, just adds to the flexibility and the diversity of attack that we didn't have uh, in the last couple of years. And that just makes Indiana better in the long run. Yeah, you know, Caleb's going to be an interesting one um, because for him, you know, like the size, the measurables, the athleticism, it's all there. And that gives him the flexibility to play the three or the four physically, just depending on, you know, what kind of lineup you're looking for. The big key for him is, you know, obviously his ball handling has to develop and his shooting has to develop for him to be, you know, a reliable threat from the three. Until then, he's really more of a four guy that can come down, get you know energy buckets, get rebounds, that kind of stuff. Now, I think he played a lot of that way in high school you know, and was a scorer and faced the basket and handled the ball. So it's not as much of a stretch to say Caleb can play three as it was for a guy like Jordan Geronimo. It will be interesting to see how quickly that comes around this season. That's what we don't know. you know, And that's where I think we don't want to you know, enter the season banking on Caleb Banks to play the three. You want to get a guy like maybe an Mbako or somebody else um, who can do that. But I do agree. Ideally, you know, he is a three, four type. He just needs minutes, you know, to get on the court. So that's a thing for me to watch. Um, you know, I would say for those of you who are concerned looking at his stats, Anthony Walker's stats, I mean, um, I get it because I look at the stats. I wouldn't say I'm concerned so much as I'm over or underwhelmed. Um, now, part of that is having a week to process this and kind of think it through, you know, but I think you look at some of his shooting numbers, not great. You look at his assist numbers, not great. Even his rebounding numbers for a guy of his size, they really dropped off this year. The last two seasons, he was a much better defensive rebounder. His rebounding, you know, dropped off. He was a, his defensive rebounding percentage this year was 10%, which was, you know, less than Xavier Johnson's. Um, but I'm just not sure, honestly, that those stats matter all that much. Because he's not a guy who's being brought here to score. He's not a guy who's being brought here to create. He's a guy who's being brought here to defend, certainly to rebound. So the rebounding is the one that you really want to see go up. But, you know, he's a guy who's been able to defend without fouling. He doesn't have a very high foul rate. Um, you know, and I think the other thing to look at is, you know, he does get blocks and steals. You know, not overwhelming numbers, but at least the kind of numbers that when he comes in, 
you know, maybe he can change a couple plays by getting a block here, by getting a steal here, being that disruptive defender. That is one of the things that we're losing with Race Thompson being gone. And so that is, you know, one of the things as we look at these depth pieces, I want to see are they disruptive defenders? Walker's numbers don't bowl you over, but that is at least something that he's been able to do get blocks and get steals. And that kind of helps him in the role that you're asking him uh, to play. So I think it's important to put his numbers in context. You know, I mean, based on his history, he probably will go out there and take a few threes at a very low percentage, you know, so that's just probably going to have to live with that. Um, You know, but otherwise, I just I'm not as concerned about the scoring numbers because I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be asked uh, to do that much. Um, and if he gets a little over his skis and has taken more shots than he should, uh, you know, then hopefully that'll be reflected uh, in his playing time. And that's something that obviously the coaches will talk to him about. So, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see in a new context on a new team and a new roster and a new offense, how productive he is. I'm just not as worried about the offense. Cause I don't think that's why he's being brought here. Um, what coach, what does this recruitment tell you about the kind of roster that Mike Woodson is trying to build and just kind of overall what we've seen with the 11 scholarships that are filled right now. What are you learning about the way that Mike Woodson wants to build a roster when he doesn't have an all American anchor kind of dictating his choices for him? Uh, and, and maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking, but the guys he's bringing in short of sparks have a little bit of face up game at their position. Uh, and I think that, that's where we all want Indiana basketball to go. And it, it seems like that's where coach Woodson wants to go. Yeah. Walker didn't shoot the, the three, uh, you know, extremely well, but I do think he has some skill sets that are a little different than race Thompson. And when you talk about stats, race Thompson, we loved and played a lot of minutes and he, and he didn't shoot the three very well. Um, but he did a lot of the intangible things and we're not asking Walker to come in and replace race Thompson. We're asking him to come in and, play the backup for 10 or 12 minutes with race Thompson, like, uh, you know, stats, at least shooting from the outside uh, type of things. So, you know, I just think he's trying to get long and athletic and get some guys with experience. And and I just think it's headed in, in 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 a good direction. I know this isn't a splashy sparks and Walker are not splashy gets and everyone wants that top level, uh, portal, you know, type transfer, but we got him in, in there. We just need to get that guy on the wing and that, you know, that, you know, dead three shooter, dead eye three shooter. And we're going to get there in the portal that are exciting right now that Indiana is in contact with that two weeks ago, everyone was thinking about connect and Ledlam, And now there are new names. in. so I think what it tells me is that, you know, obviously coach Woodson and staff have a plan. They want to win at Indiana basketball, and they're trying to put together a roster. And then, and really, what our best thing we can do is just continue to talk about these individuals and where we think they fit in and then wait until we see the entire roster. But I think we're going to get more athletic and more diverse. That's what the recruiting is telling me. How the top-end talent of all of that, uh, I think Woodson has some issues with Indiana not being – uh, a winning program for a while. And Woodson has some problems with the, the dominant post presence with TJD offense that he has on tape for two years that he's got to really uh, sell a different pattern. But I think he wants to he- head in that direction from the guys that he's talking to and trying to bring in. 
One other thing um, from Walker's Ken Palm page, just to just to kind of flag is, you know, they they break it down a lot. They have your um, your overall production, and then they break it down on there by conference only, and then how you did against tier A and B teams. So basically, the best teams on your uh, schedule. Uh, last season, Anthony Walker uh, overall his offensive rating was ninety three point seven, which is you know not very good. That's not very efficient. In conference play, in ACC conference play, it was actually 108.8. And so that obviously is much better, but also probably a number that needs a little bit of context. The ACC was not very good and had a lot of teams that were not very good last year. And so if you actually look at his numbers against tier A and B competition, so the best competition that Miami played, both in the NCAA tournament and the regular season, all of his numbers actually took a pretty big dip. Uh, His offensive rating in those games was 64.6, which is very much not good. Now, that is a big dip from, as a junior, it was 89.3 against those really good teams. As a sophomore, it was 86.9. So historically, he's been better, but he is a guy who both his offensive production and even his rebounding has taken a bit of a dip uh, against better competition. So just something to flag. And again, the context of this one is important. I don't think he's, you know, if everybody stays healthy and everybody develops how we think, I think this is a guy who, you know, you think about, uh, you know, the role that Michael Durr played when he was here. And there were games where Michael Durr didn't play or just played a couple minutes and didn't have a big impact. But there were also games when you needed him because of foul trouble or injury, and you were very happy to have him. And the production wasn't always great, but there were times that just his length and activity on defense was very helpful. That is how I would think about Anthony Walker. And so I just don't. You know, I know, you know, you know, seen, you know, some comments from people like, I don't get this one. I don't like this one, all that stuff. Um, and I just, I think he's a guy that he, he's just, if everything goes well, he's not going to have that big of a role anyway. But if we need him, we're going to be really happy to have him. And that's kind of how I would look at it. Uh, and I think a lot of his value is going to come as much in practice and in the locker room as it is, you know, everywhere else. And that's the important thing to keep in mind here is we can look at stats, we can look at film and try and think about how this guy fits on the court for the 40 minutes that we're watching basketball. And that is important. And I think there are very fair questions to ask about that, which we have asked you know, here on this show. But the, the thing to remember, Coach, and you can speak to this, is a player's overall impact on your program isn't just those 40 minutes, right? You know, This is a team that needs veteran leadership. Anthony Walker is a veteran who's been around and can provide some of that. And you need good athletes to go up against in practice because it's not going to help Malik Renew get a whole lot better if he's just able to physically dominate the guy that he's playing in practice. If you've got a big 6'9 guy who's played four years in a major conference and has been in the NCAA tournament, that's a guy that's going to provide you know some good competition in practice. And so I think for a player like this, who's more of a depth piece, that kind of stuff matters and is part of the value. And I know it's part of the value the coaching staff is looking at. And so, again, I, I just I think you probably got to you know peel the layers back of the onion and think a little bit deeper on this one than just the stats. Khalil Ware, you look at it and it's like, whoa, five-star guy, McDonald's All-American. All right, slow motor, whatever. I see the value here. Peyton Sparks, yeah, efficient offensive player. Okay, he's not going to start, but I can see how 15 minutes a game he can come in and give you that, you know, the toughness and the hustle and the rebounding and the scoring. I see that. Walker, it's not quite as obvious. And again, there are questions, but I think some of those other deeper uh, areas that we won't even see on the court are part of what the staff sees as the vision for this recruitment. 
Can you speak to that from a coaching perspective? And do you do you agree with that? I guess and think that that's that's enough to make this you know kind of a, a worthwhile get. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with it because roster construction takes on um, a lot different uh, look when you're inside the coach's office than when it does when you're sitting on your couch as a fan putting stuff out on Twitter, whether you like something or not. Um, and, and I love Indiana fans. I love all fans and they're all passionate. But roster construction from a coach's standpoint, you got to have the right fit one through 13. And if you get that, you're very fortunate. But you cannot have 13 five stars on a roster because it's going to you're never going to have enough basketballs. You're never going to have enough playing time. And it's going to be hard to shuffle uh, a lot of those type of talented players. So you go out and you have a plan on what do you want for each position. And I think it speaks volumes for Coach Woodson that he wants hard workers with some skill as backup players that want to be at Indiana. And those things don't show up in the stats. So, you know, the coaching staff sitting there and, you know, they wouldn't have entertained this guy on a visit or made him an offer if they didn't think he would fit the role for the position that they want. And that's where your context comes into play. It's not about the stats. Walker probably is a better fit for the third or fourth post player on Indiana's roster than someone from a school who played post who averaged 17 points a game, got 10 rebounds, and played at Old Dominion, and would be a little more splashy on the statistic page. This is where you have to trust the staff. And until uh, it is proven that it was a bad decision, uh, you have to believe in the staff because they know what kind of personnel they want. And, and then to add to your a, – a guy who wants to be here, a guy who's willing to accept his role, is worth many, many points that uh, might not be on his stats, as opposed to someone who's going to come in here, wants to start, you play him in the backup, and now he's unhappy in the locker room. Um, so, yes, I, I have to – this one is a trust the Woodson and staff get uh, on this one because they know what they want in people, and they know they want what they want in backup positions. And I think it's a, it's a good get from a winning program. Yeah, I agree. That, that's why ultimately after some early misgivings, um, shoot, I, I mean, I think the first thing I texted you guys when I heard about this is this doesn't make much sense to me. Um, and I think thinking about it more, talking to some more people about it and what the coaching staff's vision for it is, it does make a lot more sense to me. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think the other thing that, that Mike Woodson and the staff have done over two years is they've built rosters that have good chemistry, you know, and that do have pretty good role balance overall, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, guys who are able to accept roles even with, you know, limited minutes. Now, not always. And I think we had some guys transfer who maybe weren't as uh, excited about their role as others. Um, but I don't think those guys were problems during the season. I think uh, overall, Mike Woodson's been able to sell guys on their roles, get people to buy in, uh, you know, and have pretty cohesive rosters with good chemistry. Um, and so uh, that concern, I think, until it's proven, you know, to not be the case, uh, I think it's fair to trust them uh, a little bit as we go there. So a couple other things here that we'll hit before we get out of here, Coach, because uh, I have some lawn work that is just waiting for me to do uh, here on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, I saw someone in the chat, I think it was Edub, say, I hope this doesn't affect the recruitment of Mbako. I can say with 100% certainty that it will not. Uh, you know, those are two guys really that would have two different roles. Mbako would be brought in here to be a featured scorer, even from day one. 
Um, now, maybe he would struggle with that role as a freshman and things would change, but that would be the vision for him coming in is you're going to step in and start probably at the three, you know, be a guy that we're going to look to get shots for. And that is totally different from Walker. So I don't see in any way uh, that affecting that recruitment. And that is the other thing to remember here. Some of the reaction I've seen from some fans, I think they look at the Walker recruitment, you know, as somehow working against Indiana's clear need to get some impact wings. This doesn't affect that at all. Indiana had three scholarships to go. There was some thought that Indiana might carry only 12 scholarships into the season. And we'll see. That might still be the case if they can't find two wings that are going to be impact guys. But they still have those two open scholarships. And that's, you know, they were only going to take two wings at most anyway. So nothing has really changed there. This is just... Really, the staff kind of being opportunistic with a you know a big that has experience that wants to come here, uh, and saying yeah you know we'll, we'll take your leadership, we'll take your experience, uh, and you know and let's come be a part of this. So it's not going to affect Mbako. Uh, you know if Indiana is able to you know kind of start moving the ball down the field with uh, uh, with Dingle from Penn, it's not going to affect that. Same thing with Ray J Dennis from Toledo, uh, and you know look Mbako has a visit scheduled. So I think it's, and frankly, you know, I think, you know, some of the chatter on that one is starting to be more and more positive that Indiana has a real shot. And so I think that one is certainly worth uh, paying attention to Dingle and Ray J Dennis are worth having on your radar, but let's wait and see if there are zoom meetings and, you know, official visits and all that stuff. Um, But coach Walker is not going to affect those guys. But clearly what Indiana needs next is they've got to find impact wings because you look at the roster right now, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of lead ball handlers, Indiana has X and then Gabe Cups, who's going to be a freshman. You've got Trey Galloway that can step into that ball handling role, but really he's more ideal in kind of a wing, uh, you know, role where he's not initiating the offense, but can be a secondary guy. You've got CJ Gunn, Anthony Leal, Ja'Kai Newton, and then Caleb Banks, who can really, you know, kind of go between that wing role and even slide down to the four. And then you've got your bigs and Kalel Ware, Malik Renew, Peyton Sparks, and Anthony Walker. And so, Coach, it's pretty clear now what the entire focus of the rest of this offseason is going to be for Indiana, and that is find wings who can be dynamic offensive players. Probably at least one who is close to, if not a knockdown shooter. And then someone else who hopefully can be, you know, a two or three level scorer uh, and really, you know, challenge the defense in a number of ways and possibly even have, you know, some ability to step in as a lead ball handler if, you know, FX is in foul trouble um, or you just need someone else uh, in that role. So that really uh, is going to be the focus now for Indiana moving forward. Yeah, they have to get scoring from the, the traditional two or three spots. Uh, again, we talk a lot of positionless basketball, but you, you need you need those wings that can shoot and drive, and hopefully you get one that can do both. Uh, and the interesting thing is, Jared, is everyone was a little bothered by not getting Ledlam and Connect, and then all of a sudden some names just pop in that are really exciting. And there's no guarantee that Indiana is going to get uh, the Dingo kid or the kid from Toledo or Mabaco, but all of a sudden now there's more excitement, and that's what we want to talk about is these uh, coaches know who the wings are that are out there that fit the, the Indiana ideal roster under Coach Woodson, and they're in contact with them. And they'll get them on campus if they can and, and try to sell them as best as possible. But there is no doubt that the post position is pretty set. 
you have Caleb Banks who can slide down the four. If you end up getting a Mabaco, you got another guy who can slide down the four. So you have some multi-dimensional three, four type players on the roster. You got to get a guard that can just fill it up from outside. Uh, and, and ideally we'll have some ability with the bounce, uh, as well. But if you get one, I think that's really good. That can start and, and be an impact player. You might get a second one that is a, uh, a streaky shooter that can come in against some defenses or, or be in the second unit and add some offensive punch too. So I think we at least get one, uh, one starter type wing and, and, but I'd like to get two unless they want to, um, hang on to a scholarship, which I don't think is a bad idea. Um, if you believe you can develop some of those guys like CJ Gunn and, and other players that are currently on the roster. Now, there was another piece of Indiana news that came out today. It wasn't just the commitment of Anthony Walker, and we will talk about that news here in just a second, but I do want to make sure that we discuss our presenting sponsor here on this emergency episode. That's right, folks. This emergency episode of The Assembly Call, like all episodes of The Assembly Call and all content on the Back Home Network, is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where it seems like every weekend now they are rolling out either new schools or you know brand refreshes. I saw today they dropped, uh, I think it was a brand refresh for Cincinnati. They did West Virginia recently. And I don't care about Cincinnati. I don't care about West Virginia. And I thought some of the designs were awesome. That's the fun thing about home field apparel. Even schools you don't care about, they have such cool designs, uh, and they've got you know materials for every season. Whether it's t-shirts, whether it's a crew neck, whether it's a hoodie, they've got something for everybody. Uh, and you know they just keep adding new schools, uh, and so it's just it's high quality stuff from a company that you can trust and that came up from the Kelly School of Business, like so many of us. And so we really appreciate their support, uh, and we love supporting them. So go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, and you will get 15% off your first order. That's homefieldapparel.com, promo code HOME for 15% off. Uh, Coach, last thing uh, before we get out of here is we got some important scheduling news uh, today. I saw John Rothstein tweeted and then you know Rocco Miller and some other people uh, confirmed that Indiana and Auburn are going to be playing a game this year. It's going to be on December 9th, so it's essentially going to take the place of the Arizona game in last year's schedule. It'll be the weekend before Indiana hosts Kansas, uh, and the game is going to be in Atlanta. So, you know, I don't know exactly what name they're going to call it. I would vote for the Zach Osterman, Kent Davis uh, classic. Uh, but, it, you know, an interesting game, Coach, from a couple perspectives. One, uh, you know, it's a game against a program in Auburn that, you know, has been a little bit up and down, but they've, you know, been a top 25 level program, uh, you know, in, in recent seasons under Bruce Pearl. And it's good experience against a, a team that is going to feature the kind of style and the kind of athletes that has typically done well in March. And so that'll be a good measuring stick game for Indiana. But I think the context of having a game in Atlanta is really important, you know, with Coach Yaw's connections down in Georgia uh, and, you know, just the amount of high school basketball talent that comes out of there. And plus, you know, Indiana's got guys from that area on the team now, Ja'Kai Newton, Caleb Banks. Uh, you know, this is a nice way for those guys to go play close to home uh, and for Indiana to continue to strengthen uh, its presence, you know, down there in a place that is pretty fertile from a recruiting perspective. So uh, a lot to like, I think, about adding this game to the schedule. What do you think about it? 
Yeah, I, I, these are games that Indiana needs to play, and, and I do agree. You know, the game in Vegas was fun uh, last year. You got to go play those in different arenas, and it is good to be seen in many different places uh, ar around the country because you want to get athletes from, you know, where, where the best players are. And uh, Atlanta has sent us a couple players that have been good to the program. So it's just the type of scheduling that Indiana needs to do from here on out. Uh, you know, you had a couple of nice ones in, in Kansas and Arizona last year. You'll have Kansas again this year. I'd like to see one more uh, top-level game be scheduled somewhere. Uh, we do have the, what is it, the Louisville, te uh, Texas, and yeah. games in New York City. Th those, are, those are games that Indiana should be playing. They can't play 11 of them. Uh, in the off season, because you got to have some games for other purposes and 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 some buy games to for the the home schedule. But yeah, I, I thought that was a really good uh, piece of information coming out today. Yeah, so Indiana is in that. Uh, oh gosh, what is the what's the name of that uh, invitational? That's going to be or the Empire uh, Empire, Empire Classic. State Games or yeah something, something. like that. So Empire that's with, Classic, yeah. yeah, UConn, Texas, and Louisville. So that is going to be a two-game event. So there will be the initial matchup, and then the winners will play, and the losers will play. So that's obviously going to be a high-profile, uh, you know, setting against at least two teams that are projected to do well. Who knows what Louisville is going to be like next year? Uh, Kansas is Kansas, and then you look at Auburn. Uh, in the last six seasons under Bruce Pearl, here are Auburn's finishes in Ken Palm, starting with last season. 32, 12, 60, 33, 11, 23. So, you know, in five of those seasons, that's an NCAA tournament level team on a neutral court. Uh, you know, so it's the kind of game coach that we like because if you happen to lose it, it doesn't necessarily hurt you. But just the fact of playing it helps you. Uh, and certainly if you win it, that's a nice little notch on your resume. So... You know, it's a it's a good game for Indiana to be in. As you said, you can't play all games like this. And Indiana also announced a game with Harvard this week. Um, you know, and so so the non-conference schedule is really, you know, shaping up nicely. And Indiana needed some games like this because the ACC Big Ten Challenge is going away. Uh, and obviously, Indiana doesn't project to be playing in the Gavit games. So this now, it Indiana's, for, you know, Certainly going to have three games against top 25 level teams, assuming that UConn and Texas are both good this year, uh, and potentially four if they end up playing both of those teams or if Louisville, uh, you know, is at all decent after they cratered last season. So should be an interesting one. And, and obviously the location playing in Atlanta, Indiana's got a lot of alums in Atlanta. I see Lisa here in the chat. She's going to be there. So that is all awesome. Uh, and very good. So a good day for Indiana basketball. Again, I understand if you're looking at the stats, it's easy to wonder how Anthony Walker fits in. Um, and I shared some of those very concerns. Um, and I think there are still some things to have questions about and we have to see, you know, how it's going to play out. And I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, one lesson here is from Anthony Walker's history, he's much better in a more limited reserve role than if he has to get overexposed, as we saw in his sophomore season. And so you like having him there for depth, but if for some reason he ends up playing 50, 55, 60% of the minutes, you know, something has probably gone wrong. He's not a guy who you want doing that. But if he's a guy that you're getting for five or 10 minutes a game that can be a big depth piece, help you in practice, help you in case of injury, you know, and come in and provide sparks, uh, you know, because he is athletic and can make some plays. I think he's able to add some value uh, there. So I would just, uh, you know, urge you to have an open mind 
Maintain your questions because I think a lot of them are fair, but I think this one you have to dig a little bit deeper to understand the vision, you know, as opposed to just trying to plug and play him in the rotation like we would do with a guy like Dingle or like we did with a guy like Ware. I just don't think that's really the right way to view this one. Um, But, you know, when viewed properly, I can see the vision and now we'll have to see if that vision actually plays out because talking about it in April in the offseason is one thing, but seeing it actually play out is another um, and so I think, you know, Woody may have to suppress his own desire to default to seniors uh, for this to work out the right way. Uh, but if he does that and Walker plays the role that it seems he's well suited to, then I think this makes uh, a lot of sense, coach. Um, and then, oh, yeah, any final thoughts on Walker before we uh, look ahead and then close up? No, I just think... I'm looking at it from a guy who wants to be here and is going to accept his role and, and has some ability to play and be productive from a 10 minute role. And you need somebody like that on a, on a roster of 13. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not a season changing or, or whatever, a major addition, but it's a, it's an addition that I think will benefit Indiana in the long run. Yep. Yeah. It is not a, um, it's not a commitment that changes Indiana's ceiling at all. It is a commitment that I think you'd fairly say slightly raises the floor because yeah. again, you know, depth pieces, you know, that stuff all helps out. If you run into a rash of injuries or stuff happens, it's nice to have a six, nine good athlete who's played on good teams that you can rely on. So I think that's a better way to look at it. Uh, as we look ahead, coach uh, Mackenzie Mbako scheduled to visit Indiana next weekend, May 5th through the 6th. He is visiting St. John's now. I'm not sure if his visits to Louisville uh, and or Kansas have been scheduled. So that is the big thing now to you know to look forward to is that visit. Obviously, we'll talk more about that as it happens. You know, more importantly, hopefully that visit goes like this one's does. You know, or like like this one did. A nice weekend visit. Uh, you know, and then the next day, let's get that graphic out there and commit because that would be wonderful for Indiana. So we'll keep our eye on that. The last thing, Coach, before we go, Jordan Geronimo announced his uh, uh, transfer destination today, and he's staying in the Big Ten. He's playing at Maryland, uh, which is an interesting choice for Jordan. You know, I really wondered, given his desire to play the three, if he would try and take a step down, you know, from the Big Ten level, maybe go to the MAC level or even, you know, someplace a little bit lower, uh, you know, be able to play the three where his skill level and athleticism would allow him to have a little bit more success doing that. Uh, certainly more consistent success that he had at Indiana, but he's going to Maryland. Uh, and so I think, you know, all of us, uh, you know, are disappointed that it didn't work out as well for Jordan as we hoped, but I think everybody, I mean, I didn't see almost one negative comment from an IU fan in, in Jordan's post. I think everybody's really wishing him well, wish that it had worked out better here. It didn't hope it works out better for him at Maryland, but I, I can't say I, <laughs> I'm confident that will happen just because he's still in the big 10 and it seems like it'll probably be more of the same for him. So, you know, hopefully whatever Kevin Willard's vision is works out a little bit differently than it's worked out here at IU uh, wish him well, but what are your thoughts on him uh, at Maryland and what that fit may be like for Jordan? Well, it was a little surprising after we talked just about this question, there's a good question on Thursday uh, about where he would land. Um, and I don't know Maryland's roster and, and where they, you know, what their needs were. But it was a little shocking because Maryland made a nice run last year under Willard, and I thought they were headed in, you know, um, that direction of, of a positive uptick. And, and I don't know that he changes that much for Maryland. 
Um, but um, again, we always just want him to be successful. Uh, you know, we wish it, it would have worked out, but he's a four in my mind. And, and yeah. uh, he's not a three. And unless he really gets moving, uh, I think that's going to be a struggle in the Big Ten. But uh, um, again, wish him uh, everything but uh, success except the games that we play. So I, I hope he struggles in, in, in those games. <laughs> in, in those two games. Is it interesting, Coach? I mean, yeah. You know, I, I feel like if any Maryland fans are listening to this 48 minutes into an emergency podcast about Indiana basketball, um, you know, I honestly feel like the analysis for Jordan at Maryland is probably similar for what we're talking about now with Anthony Walker, where it's like, hey, you know, this guy isn't really being brought in here to be a featured player, but he's had some big games. He's a good athlete. This is a guy who's going to help you out in practice. Uh, he's been a very positive influence you know, in the locker room by everything that, you know, that we know about him. Um, and so really, I feel like Maryland is probably looking at him, if they're smart, to play a similar role to what Walker is going to play at IU. You know, I don't think you want Jordan to be overexposed because he just doesn't have the depth of skill necessary, you know, to consistently produce when he's playing 15 to 20 minutes a game. But he is a guy who we've seen in spurts and flashes and in the right matchup can have a big impact. Uh, you know, and, and it's never a bad thing to have a guy with his level of athletic ability, you know, there, if you need someone in a pinch, like Indiana needed someone race Thompson got hurt earlier this year. And it was kind of the one time all season when Jordan kind of knew what his role was going to be. And he played pretty well, uh, in those games. So, you know, there's certainly some upside for Jordan that we all wish, uh, had been more fully realized here. But I'm guessing for Maryland, you know, for for the Maryland podcasters who are doing emergency podcasts and trying to paint the optimistic picture, uh, you know, for where Jordan fits, it probably sounds pretty similar to what we're talking about with Anthony Walker, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he can find a niche, uh, I think, you know, that 10 to 12 minute uh, role. Um, I, I just it's shocking because if I were him, I'd want to go someplace where I'd, I'd have more of an impact. Um but um, again, maybe that's heading back closer to home, and there's other factors that that we aren't aware of. But again, I just wish him nothing uh, but the best. Uh, I don't. I hope Maryland doesn't win the Big Ten title, and they go. Do we play them twice next year? I think we do, don't we? I believe we do. Yes. Yeah. So zero and two against us, and like third behind us in the conference, and and Geronimo has a good 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 senior year. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, we wish him well. I, I hope he has a final good season. I hope he got himself a little NIL bag, you know, as, as part of transferring from Maryland. Yeah. I know they have a pretty good NIL infrastructure and he's closer to home. So I'm sure a lot of those things factor into the decisions. You know, there's always a whole lot that goes into it, but wish him well. More importantly, we wish Anthony Walker well. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully for those of you who have listened, um, you know, we tried to really contextualize what the vision is for this what the potential questions and the potential pitfalls could be. Uh, but I don't, I, you know, I just, I can't get worked up, you know, over this one in a negative way, like some people have. Um, but there are some curiosities I have about it, you know, and what his role is going to be. And uh, as I said, hopefully he doesn't take anything away from Caleb Banks development. Cause I think the, as you know, as we look at storylines for next season, I think the a number one is get back to the NCAA tournament, third straight season, start to make that normal, that, you know, it, 
kind of solidifies that the floor for this pro- program has been raised. I think that is absolutely the number one thing that has to happen next season. Uh, you know, and then from there, you try and build on top of that. And obviously, you want to compete for the Big Ten and make a tournament run and do all those things. Indiana's ability to do that will be dictated, I think, in part by who else they're able to get out of the portal. But not too far down that list, in my mind, is the development of C.J. Gunn and Caleb Banks. I think those guys, they're the type of guys that you want to be ready for a more featured role as juniors and seniors, but they're probably going to have to go through a few ups and downs this season to get there. And I just want to make sure that they're given the uh, the playing time to do that. So that's my big question about this one. But I think other than that, it makes a lot of sense for Indiana in terms of the role he's being asked to play. Um, so that's our thoughts on it. Coach? Anything final before we wrap up here? God, that was a quick hour. That was 52 minutes. That went fast. <laughs> yeah, no, I ran into uh, Phil Samuels today uh, hey, at the baseball Phil. game. Always good to see him uh, and, and talk to him. So I think he's got a picture. He might be putting on. I don't know why he wants a picture with me, but always good to see Assembly Call uh, fans out and about uh, in Bloomington and other places. And I met Phil's wonderful wife. And, and it's just all good, people. It's all good. Indiana basketball's been in the tournament for two years. We're headed in the right direction. Uh, and the transfer portal is crazy. It is uh, up and down, up and down, up and down. And there are different pieces uh, that are filled by the transfer portal. So hang in there. Be excited. Be disappointed. But ultimately, you know, just uh, continue to have that patience because uh, we'll, we're two spots away from having a podcast, Jared, on where we could really, you know, analyze the entire roster and the job that uh, the coaching staff did. I think that's when we really can start judging uh, Indiana's efforts in the transfer portal. Absolutely. All right, Coach, thank you for being here on short notice. I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who's here live. It's always... It's always so nice to be able to throw these up randomly and see so many of you join us live. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. it makes it fun. Uh, by the way, Tony has an important question. Did Phil buy a round of drinks? Uh, no, his wife offered, uh, but I had to drive home uh, at that point. It was like the fifth inning. Uh, but I did buy Phil ice cream. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> you know, so I, I did buy him some chocolate mousse ice cream. So I bought Phil some ice cream. He was going to pay me back with a beer later and in time just got away from us but you know <laughs> phil's not as cheap as he seems uh you know he's a he's a pretty nice guy so he's he not as a, he's not the cheapskate that we all think he is to, to be honest <laughs> <laughs> we love phil we love phil all right coach he's uh, very- get home safely enjoy the rest of your weekend i'm about to hop out and mow the lawn and uh appreciate everybody Alrighty. being here and see you everybody have- Plenty more on this, plenty more on the transfer portal moving forward uh, here in the offseason. So thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, As always, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.